0: I'm Pastor Dan Harrison, and I want to welcome you to our Good Friday worship celebration. We're going to take a little different look at Good Friday tonight. As you saw in the story that was depicted there, Abraham being asked to sacrifice his son. We're going to look at that story, and then we're going to draw parallels between that and the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And I think you'll find it amazing That God, 2,000 years before Good Friday, laid out a beautiful, foreshadowing story that told what was actually going to be the ultimate sacrifice that He wanted, and that was His Son, Jesus Christ. Let's pick up the story, Genesis twenty-two two. God said to Abraham, "'Take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love,' And go to the land of Moriah, and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. Well, that's a very unusual request, isn't it? Some, God wouldn't do that, but but He did for a very special uh, purpose. And, and this was his son Isaac, the son that was a miracle baby, the son that was going to fulfill all the promises for the great nation that would come from him, and. Bless all the world. And now God was asking him to sacrifice Isaac. It didn't make a lot of sense, but it's just unbelievable to see how Abraham obeys. So he heads off with uh, two servants and Isaac. And then he tells the two servants to stop at a certain point. Then he and Isaac move forward. And Isaac's asking, where's the lamb? Where's the sacrifice? There's something missing here. Verse 9, when they came to the place of which God had told them, Abraham built the altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. That is an emotionally packed verse. If you just take some time to meditate upon it, to think about Abraham who is about to kill Abraham. The most precious thing to him, this amazing son that, that God had given to him. And you think about Isaac. He had a lot of trust in his father to actually lay down, as we saw in the video. Then Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to slaughter his son, just like a lamb, to slaughter him. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am. Just as he had that knife up. He said, do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him, for I know that you fear God, seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. That's an amazing test, isn't it? He said, I see that you're willing to sacrifice your son, so I know that your heart is totally devoted to me and you obey me in whatever I ask and that you don't cherish your son more uh, than you cherish me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked and behold, behind him was a ram caught in the thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead Of his son. In Hebrews chapter 11, we have the Hall of Faith, where different people from the Bible are named as just having outstanding faith, and Abraham is found there, of course. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promises was in the act of offering up his only son. So, Abraham, all these promises were given to him. And they were to take place through his son, but here he was again sacrificing him, offering him up to God. Of whom it is said, through Isaac shall your offspring be named. So here he's about to take the life where these promises were coming from. Verse 19, he considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead. From which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back this, this is the most amazing thing about the faith of Abraham he said okay if God is asking me to sacrifice my child and he's told me that my child is the one who is going to again, uh, again be the person who all these blessings flow from it must be that God is going to raise him From the dead. That's faith, right? If he's going to take his life, well, obviously his life has to come back because he's promised me all these things. I'd like you to uh, reflect on those truths as we go back to singing the Lord's praise. Let's uh, pray as we prepare our hearts. Lord, uh, this is an amazing story. Thank you for Abraham. He wasn't perfect. He made a lot of mistakes in his life. But at the same time, Lord, we see an unbelie- unbelievable faith. And more importantly, we see this, this unusual story that foreshadows what we're celebrating tonight the sacrifice of your son, Jesus Christ. Well, let's look at the amazing parallels between the sacrifices of Isaac and Jesus. You forward that. might have the wrong remote. There it works. Both are promised children who have miracle births. Now, this is very, very unusual. We know that in Genesis 18, the Lord came... In fact, three people came, and one of them was either God or Jesus Christ. And and they, of course, were going to talk about Sodom and Gomorrah and how it was going to be destroyed. And the Lord said, I will surely return to you about this time next year, and Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. And Sarah was listening at the tent door behind him. Now, if you were 90 years old... You might laugh a little bit too. <laughs> I'm going to have a son. You got to be kidding me. That never happens to anybody my age. That would be a miracle. Yes, it's God's miracle. He promised that Isaac would come and it would be a miraculous birth. Isaiah seven fourteen, the prophecy about. Mary, therefore the Lord Himself will give you a sign. behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call His name Emmanuel. Again, written so far before the actual event. And so you're going to have a son and He's going to come and it's going to be a miraculous birth. A virgin is going to give birth to a child. Now, that's a miracle, isn't it? So you see, again, this this parallel of the miraculous birth and the promising of the individual. Another one is both are called their father's special only son. We look... The story of Abraham and Isaac. And God said, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love. As we read that, there's something really special about this individual. They're the only son, the only son you have that you love so much. Back in that day, uh, to be a son uh, was a great, much, much great honor uh, than to be a daughter. And so it speaks of the fact that okay, you've only got one son. Now we read in First John: In this, the love of God was made manifest among us. That God sent His only Son into the world, so that we might live. Through him, again we see God's love, and this—the love of God was made manifest. It was seen by us that God sent His only Son into the world, Jesus Christ, really God Himself, obviously. So He kind of sent Himself into the world in order to make a way to Jesus Christ. Of course, John 3:16, for God so loved the world that He gave His only Son. That whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. The gospel in a nutshell. God's love is is so tremendous for us. We see that in the third one. The third parallel. Both are to be sacrificed by their loving Father. Again, something is so unheard of. That a father would kill any of his children, especially the only one. The only one. Go back to Abraham's story. God said, Take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love. I mean, what if God asked you to do something like that? You'd be like, No! No, why would you do that to me, God? That's the most special thing in my life. That's why I get up every day. It's for Isaac, and now you're telling me to sacrifice him? And of course, God, who did not spare His own Son, but gave Him up for us all, how will He not also with Him graciously give us all things? Good Friday is a time when we want to remember God's outrageous love for us. That He did what He did in order to bring us into relationship with Him. I was thinking about this, so I went online and I said, how much does Allah love people? (laughs) And I said, well, those who serve others, he likes the best. That sound familiar? It's a works orientation. It's the idea, if I want my God to love me, I've got to work at it. I've got to perform. I've got to be the type of person that he wants to be. And friends, that is not the truth. Because we can never earn our relationship with God and Again, so many people get caught up in that saying, oh, I just have to be a good enough person. I have to wait to become a Christian because I'm not good enough right now. Well, that doesn't make any sense because you'll never be good enough to be a Christ follower. It's a gift that when you come and say, I'm not good enough, God, that he says you're right and I am going to save you. I am going to make you righteous and holy, not because of what you've done, but because what I've done for you. I give it to you as a free gift, and the most important thing you need to realize is you can't earn it. So you have all these people who are going around, I don't know if I'm going to heaven or not, I'm trying to be a good person, and they're totally confused about their relationship with God. Who would want a God that has a performance scale? That's all the other gods. You've got the Hindus worshipping, there many multiple gods, and, and they're trying to keep these gods happy. Because if they don't keep them happy, bad things are going to happen. We don't have to worry about that. Right? Because God doesn't do that. He loves us. He takes care of us. He does discipline us. But that's the message of Easter. God's unbelievable love. The fourth parallel. Both are to be sacrificed in the same place. Moriah. Now, Moriah had several mountains and hills, and it was right in Jerusalem, around Jerusalem, and Golgotha, where Christ died for us, was one of the mountains of Moriah. And in the same way, Abraham was called to sacrifice his son, One of the mountains in Moriah. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that just, I can't believe that parallel. Yeah, it just communicates that God had a plan way, way, way before in terms of bringing us back to Himself. And He gave us a a story, a true story, to help us to try to understand what this all means. Both are to be a sacrificial lamb to God On wood. Look at Abraham's story. Isaac was saying, hey, where's the lamb? And and Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So they went, both of them, together. So where's the lamb? This was even before the Old Testament law came into effect, which had the whole sacrificial system. So many different sacrifices in order to show God that they were confessing their sins for what they had done wrong. And and again, they were all foreshadowing when Jesus Christ would be the ultimate Lamb on the cross. And now this story in Abraham's life early, very early in the life of Israel, we have the same thing. The Lamb must be sacrificed. And the whole Old Testament points to Jesus Christ as a lamb upon the cross. That's what needed to happen. You see, John the Baptist, the next day John the Baptist saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. John the Baptist was his forerunner, and he said it right there. This is the Lamb of God who's going to take away your sin. Both voluntarily submitted to their being sacrificed. You kind of wonder what was going on in Isaac's mind. He's probably a little older than when we see in the video. And it's like, okay. (laughs) I mean, wow. But, But he submitted himself to his father. And of course, Christ submitted himself. When he was in the garden, alone, and he was just so overwhelmed with painful emotions. And he didn't want to go to the cross. He was one of us, but at the same time, he was God. And say, hey, if there's any other way we can do this, please. Please. Jesus said to him when they came around and Judas led the soldiers to where Christ was. Friend, do what you came to do. And they came up and laid hands on Jesus and seized him. Jesus didn't put up a fight. He said, Why'd you guys give me when I was out in the city? You know, why are we doing this undercover here? I, I'm ready to go. And he didn't, anyway, push back because he knew that that was a plan that God had for him. And he voluntarily. Submitted to that. These truths are so important for all of us to know and remind ourselves of because it's the basis of our daily life. That the sacrifice of Christ, our sins were forgiven, and we can walk with God. And, And when we say, hey, let's thank God. This is what we want to thank God for, for sacrificing His Son. And so it needs to be a constant theme in our prayers and and with one another and remind ourselves because we, we get a little bit away from our salvation experience and we just kind of take it for granted. You just cannot take that type of thing for granted if you really, really understand it. Have you ever saved anybody's life before? Or maybe they saved yours. You remember that, right? And you reference it because if they hadn't done that, you would not be here today. And that's what Jesus Christ has done. The seventh is both narratives conclude God will provide. Genesis 22, 14 So Abraham called the name of that place the Lord will provide. As it is said to this day, on the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. Instead of Isaac being slaughtered, God said, no, I have a ram that you can sacrifice instead. And of course, Abraham believed that God was going to show up in some special way. And Of course, he did. Then we think about Christ, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance, he had passed over former sins. So let's think about the cross for a moment. It's interesting when you look at the movie The Passion of the Christ or... Uh, especially in the Catholic Church, there's a lot of emphasis on the pain that Christ went through. And that's what people typically resonate with, understandable. But when you look at the Bible, the more important thing, obviously, was that as Jesus Christ was on that cross representing both you and I, obviously the physical pain was terrible. But the spiritual pain was unbelievable. Because as as God put our sins upon Him, all of our sins, past, present, future, for everyone who's ever lived, that last three hours when He poured those upon Christ, that was a propitiation for our sins. God's wrath. Is real. We talk a lot about God's love, but but He is a just God and a holy God. And because we've sinned, because we've gone our own way, we deserve to be judged. There's anger with God about our sin before we become a Christ follower. He still loves us, but that's the whole reason that there's that eternal punishment, which is pretty severe. It's God's wrath. Be downloaded. And God doesn't want that. So He says, please come to me through Jesus Christ. He's the propitiation. I have a standard of justice. And people in this world have broken. Every one of them have broken. And somebody needs to pay the price. And again, because of who God was, the only one who could pay the price was Jesus Christ Himself because He was all man and all God and He completed the law. He was perfect in every way. He's the one who could take the punishment in order that we might be given this unbelievable, wonderful gift of salvation. He was a propitiation. He was offered up in order to satisfy God's wrath. You say, well, why couldn't he just say, no big deal, because God's holy. And he needs to be satisfied. And Jesus Christ did that on the cross. So think of all the sins that you've committed and uh, picture them on Jesus Christ. And instead of you being in pain for eternity without God, because Jesus Christ stayed on that cross, He could have come down. He could have ended it all. But He wanted us to have an eternal relationship with Him. So He stayed in the most difficult part when God turned His face away from Christ because He couldn't look on the sin that was upon His Son. The first time they broke Fellowship. That's what the cross is about. It's about that Jesus took that pain, and we can't even imagine for for Christ, never having sinned or known sin in any way, to be just covered in it because of His love for us. The great news... That we continue to proclaim here at Springbrook is as Jesus Christ died for your sins, he paid the penalty, so you wouldn't have to. And so the way that you become a Christ follower is you simply come into the presence of God and say, God, I know that I'm a sinner. I know that I deserve a penalty, but Jesus Christ took that penalty, and I want to receive that free gift of salvation. And I want to repent of my sins. I want to live a life with you, for you. And I want you to be my Savior and Lord. And that's how you become a Christ follower. Talk to so many people who don't quite understand that. and But as the Holy Spirit opens their eyes, oh, it's not about what I do. Now again, once you become a Christ follower, you're going to want to serve God and love God just like when you get married to somebody. You want to... Make their life a good one. But again, it's not what saves you. I always ask a question to people, if you died tonight, would you go to heaven? And the most common response I hear is, I don't know. Why do they say, I don't know? Because it's based upon their life, their service to God, their goodness, and they're just hoping somehow, some way it's going to happen. But it's not. Until they come to Jesus and say, God, I'm a sinner. <laughs> and you reconciled my problem at the cross. Jesus paid the price for me. And I want to live with you and for you for the rest of my life and into eternity. Friends, if you're here today, and you've been kind of thinking, yeah, i got to get my act together to become a Christian, or I think I'll get to heaven, that no longer has to be the case. Confess Jesus Christ as your Lord, and we'd love to talk with you afterwards. Um, give the church a call, any way we can encourage you in your spiritual walk. Let's pray. Lord, I want to thank You for all these individuals who've come out to commemorate this unbelievable gift that you provided through Your Son, Jesus Christ. Lord, we're so thankful for those of us who become Christ followers and our prayer is that many more people would experience this unbelievable freedom that you want to give to us. Now, Lord, we celebrate communion. We celebrate your bread it represents your body and the cup which represents your blood. As we, we take this and reflect upon it, Lord, I just pray if we are Christ followers, that our hearts would be full of gratitude. And if we haven't made that decision yet, that uh, we make that decision or say, I'm going to find out. I'm going to seek after God. In Christ's name, amen.